Welcome to episode 132 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church for Christ Church and all who would care to listen in. Uh, well, it's a, a new year and it's uh, good to be here with my co host, Dr. Gabriel Williams. Good to see you, Gabe. It's good seeing you. Uh, Gabe is a professor of atmospheric physics uh, at the College of Charleston. And uh, how long have you been teaching now, Gabe? Since 2013, so we are at year, well, past year nine at this point. Wow, yeah. tremendous. Uh, not not too long after we started Christ yeah, Church. That's, that's right. Um, and uh, my name is John Payne. I'm the senior pastor here at Christ Church. And um, we are going to discuss a somewhat, a somewhat controversial topic this morning, but something that's on the minds of, of people all over the world and, of course, on Christians' minds, and that's uh, the sexual revolution, mm -hmm. uh, the LGBTQ plus revolution, and uh, what that revolution uh, is uh, teaching and uh, what they are seeking to do and how Christians need to stand firm in the midst of what really is a, a tsunami of, of lies uh, and false teaching as it concerns uh, manhood and womanhood, marriage and sexuality. And uh, so it's important, I think, that we discuss mm -hmm. this and encourage one another to stand firm in the midst of this revolution. Uh, we see uh, this revolution uh, taking place all around us, uh, in our schools, in our institutions, in our hospitals, in our mm -hmm. government, in the sports world. Everywhere you turn, there's a kind of catechizing of the culture uh, in false views uh, and perverted views right. of human sexuality. It's first from just a historical perspective, <clears throat> it's important to note how quickly this has happened. And so uh, I'm 38 years old, and so that means I am that generation that has seen that turn happen very quickly. Typically, when you have any sort of large scale moral change in society, it's a multi generational sort of move. It's slow, it takes a lot of time to get there. But you have to remember that 15 years ago, same sex marriage was still being debated as a moral good for society. We're now if you're you know past 2015 same-sex marriage is not just assumed to be good it's also now a bigoted position to be opposed to it and this is partly why you see a very large demographic difference between the views of evangelicals if you were to poll millennials on their view of same-sex marriage and now lgbtq issues and even transgenderism you would see a stark difference between millennials and say generation x and even baby boomers so this is a rapid change which means that this is not accidental it's not just a progression of ideas this is something that was intentionally taught and promoted just recently president biden uh, signed uh the respect for marriage mm -hmm. act and uh, this uh, name, which really uh, communicates something uh, wrong in terms of respect for marriage, because marriage is between a man and a woman. And so mm -hmm. what uh, Biden was saying is that we need to respect uh, gay marriage. And in his speech, he talked about how uh, we need to respect the love that individuals have for one another and that mm -hmm. those who don't are haters basically is what he was saying yeah. and uh, what is uh, important to r recognize about this is that the needle keeps shifting uh, mm -hmm. there there's no 
you know, sort of stoppage point for the sexual revolution. Mm-hmm. It, it has always had in mind from the very beginning not to legalize gay marriage. That's not the end of what they want. They mm-hmm. actually want to completely now. Not all homosexuals uh, mm-hmm. will 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 believe this or want this, but for uh, many of uh, the. Uh, fringe, um, and maybe not so fringe since it's the center of our government now, uh, they are, are pushing for the approval and celebration of all forms of sexuality. And, mm-hmm. and we see in the transgenderism uh, movement this, uh, this and, and the movement of putting transgenders in, in sporting teams and in locker rooms and in bathrooms, that really there is an end to this, which is a complete overhaul of Christian morality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so what our nation was founded on was found, founded on Christian morality and Christian principles. Uh, they, they want that complete destruction and obliteration of that. And we would be fools uh, to think yeah. that the stoppage point is the legalization of gay marriage. Exactly. Uh, because basically on what... <laughs> President Biden communicated, then that means that anyone who has love for anyone or anything ought to be able to come forth and have that mm-hmm. um, legitimized and legalized, right? So yeah. if a man said, I'm in love with these three women, I want them all to be my wife, why can't that, on the basis of what Biden said, be legalized and legitimized? Um, and, and so that's where we're going, mm-hmm. uh, unless someone will say enough is enough and uh, and and push things back. And it clearly goes beyond that as well, because usually what happens is that you will see the most radical of ideas appear in academia first, and then kind of like water going down the stairs. It takes a while for it to reach mainstream society. So if you were to ask the question, what's going on in academia right now, we are hearing lots of different accounts of the normalization of pedophilia. And this was a slippery slope argument back in 2014 in terms of how it was being promoted. But there are now uh, advocates, again, it's not the mainstream of the academy, but it is visible parts of the academy that are now seeing pedophilia not as necessarily a unrestricted sexual lust against minors is now considered for some a form of a sexual orientation and again just kind of watch that evolve over time and you will see the result of what will happen with that and we see the the logical conclusion to the kinds of arguments and and uh, assumptions that are being Mm -hmm. made right Mm -hmm. so if love you know you see the t-shirts love all love wins love is love love If love is love is the basis of your morality as it concerns marriage and sexuality, then there are no limits. Mm-hmm. There are no limits. And if people are born a certain way or are have orientations that are um, um, are there and, and can never be removed, then the next stage of that is, well, and people are saying this already, aren't they? Well, mm-hmm. I was born with yeah. a kind of sexual love towards towards you know, uh, underage mm-hmm. uh, children. Um, I was born for uh, an affection towards 
uh, multiple partners, not just one. And uh, then there's bestiality. And these mm-hmm. things that are named in the book of Leviticus, yeah. all named together uh, in order to make the point that these are all deviant sexualities. That's and right. And by the way, you know, some would say that even discussing this makes us bigots and haters. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true because, Gabe, we don't hate our uh, neighbors who have no. homosexual uh, desires and tendencies. Uh, we love them and we desire for them to, to know the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God and to be taught uh, what brings true happiness, which is walking with Christ, mm-hmm. and which brings true human flourishing in the context of, of, of a marriage between a man and a woman and mm-hmm. not um, those things that are deviations from it. So in many ways, the uh, sort of sexual deviancy that we're seeing is going backwards in time, really before the Christian gospel began to really penetrate the Roman Empire. And so if you read, for instance, 1 Corinthians or any of the uh, letters from Paul, you will see him addressing many of these issues directly. So when you hear the phrase sexual impurity or sexual immorality, you should not only think about temple prostitution that's going on, that's a part of it, but remember, ancient Rome had numerous pedophilia issues. It had numerous transgender issues, what we've come to learn from uh, more sociological research. So the issues that the Apostle Paul is dealing with is similar to what we're dealing with today. And that means the solution is exactly the same. The Christian position cannot change just because the society has rapidly embraced what we would just say is a form of moral insanity at this point. Pedophilia, homosexual, public bathhouses, mm-hmm. um, uh, these kinds of things were normal in first century Greco-Roman society. Yeah. Uh, and it was because it was a pagan society. Mm-hmm. And just as you say, Gabe, and, and, and now that America, particularly over this last 15 to 20 years, is throwing off its Christian foundations, uh, really no longer uh, does the ordinary person walking down the street have a, a Christian uh, worldview based on mm-hmm. Christian morals. Mm-hmm. You tap them on the shoulder, you begin asking them questions, and uh, their views are now secular. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't think in terms of what the Bible teaches about marriage. They think in terms of what uh, uh, the uh, you know elite professors in the universities are saying about marriage and sexualities, or uh, they're listening to uh, the culture and what they're saying uh, and being convinced of, of what they're saying. Interestingly, just this past week, uh, there was news that Amy Grant, who is a well-known and beloved Christian uh, singer mm-hmm. uh, and someone that I listened to in college and was very encouraged and blessed by uh, her her music and her her lyrics and of course uh, christmas time we listen to her christmas album it's a beautiful voice that god has gifted her with but just recently there was news made that uh, she has a gay niece and Mm. that she's hosting her niece's gay wedding and she is celebrating it Mm. and uh, of course you know sadly we're seeing this kind of capitulation happening over and over again by evangelicals and and often notable evangelicals, pastors, artists, mm-hmm. whatever. Well, interestingly, um, Gabe, we, we know the state of theology um, 
research that's been done by uh, Lifeway, Ligonier. and of course Ligonier has published this uh, in uh, connection with Lifeway. And listen to these statistics. So, uh, in terms of their um, polling of evangelical Christians, um, a subset of evangelical Christians, uh, the statement, sex outside of traditional marriage is a sin, only 33% strongly agree. Mm -hmm. 20% somewhat agree. 13% somewhat disagree. 29% strongly disagree. 5% are not sure. So here we have 29% strongly disagreeing with the statement, sex outside of traditional marriage is a sin. Now, this is important because when we talk about the sexual revolution, so much of the attention is towards what we would call unnatural sexual desires, homosexuality, transgenderism, etc. But the sexual revolution is much broader. And the statement just read is about sex outside of marriage. And that means fornication has been normalized in our society, which is the most prominent heterosexual sin you can think of. And with the actual normalization of fornication, you have with it the large amounts of addiction to pornography that's there. And so, again, when we talk about sexual revolution, it's not just the pushing of the boundaries of that which ought not to have even been heard of or said. It's actually the loosening of the standards of what chasteness used to mean for Christians. Now, with that, and these are things that I remember growing up hearing so much about as a young uh, child or as a young man and then kind of becoming an adult, one of the sins that was very prevalent and talked about often was the sin of cohabitation. And for those who don't know, this would be the actual sin of a man and a woman living together who aren't married. It used to be that is part of the general sexually immoral part of what you would read in the scriptures, having no appearance of evil. Well, if you are the sort of person who would say that sex outside of marriage is no longer a big issue. That also means that you think cohabitation is not a problem. It's just legalistic Pharisee sort of people who are concerned about this. But that says nothing more to us than just saying that the standards of sexual ethics has fallen substantially for Christians to the extent where we can't even uphold 50 year old <laughs> Uh, sort of standards when it comes to sexual immorality among Christians. Another statement in the Lifeway Research uh, State of Theology poll says, gender identity is a matter of choice. 24% of evangelicals strongly agree with that statement. 18% somewhat agree. Those numbers are staggering, mm -hmm. Gabe, uh, that evangelicals would uh, respond that way to that statement, gender identity is a matter of choice. The next one, the Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior doesn't apply today. Mm -hmm. So you were mentioning earlier about the Apostle Paul's clear statements about homosexuality or, or our Lord's mm -hmm. statements about marriage between mm -hmm. a man and a woman from Genesis. Um, we see here the statement, the Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior doesn't apply today. 30% strongly agree. 16% mm -hmm. somewhat agree 
12% somewhat disagree, 30% strongly disagree, and 13% not sure. So 46% of these evangelicals uh, that are looking at this statement, they are strongly or somewhat agreeing with this statement that the Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior doesn't apply today. Mm. Uh, so there's a real problem, isn't there, about um, the view of Scripture that many evangelicals have. Um, and this has largely uh, happened, I think, uh, over the last 20 years with the seeker uh, church movement where really the Bible has not been taught and preached as a serious thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, there, it's been, you know, TED Talks with Bible verses thrown in from time to time, and it's more about uh, the pastor's performance and personality than it is uh, – preaching that says, thus saith the Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what has happened is we've had a whole generation of evangelicals grow up in churches where the Bible has not been preached with reverence and seriousness and power, and they no longer think that it has relevance for today. That's right. And you were a youth pastor, and you know, I'm, I'm a college professor, so I'm around college students on a regular basis. And one of the things that we know uh, just from common experience is that one of the ways in which young men and young women leave to faith is based on sexual immorality. And it's one of the persistent questions we ask all college students. You will hear college students sometimes say they're doubting their faith and they're confused on things. And the question that comes up in an experienced person's mind is, how long have you been sleeping with your girlfriend? Or how long have you been sleeping with your boyfriend? We know those things are linked together. And that's because the Lord has made us in such a way that you cannot hold two contradictory ideas for too long. Eventually, one is going to rule over the other. If you are engaged in sexual immorality right now and you have no real uh, motivation to escape that, that will eventually push out any desire for Christian sexual ethics. And that means, in a nutshell, that if you were to poll a lot of people about this topic, they're not necessarily rejecting wholeheartedly what the scripture is saying. They are essentially saying, I'm choosing sexual immorality, I'm choosing my girlfriend or boyfriend, spouse, etc., over the Bible. And this isn't unique. This isn't something that is surprising to the Bible. Think about the Old Testament and think about the number of men who were driven to apostasy because of sexual morality. And it's a large chasm. Think of the warnings in the book of Proverbs, where it teaches you in the Proverbs to have discretion that will guide you away from the strange woman because the person who goes in that direction, very few escape her past or the past of death, and many are her slain. There's a reason that's there. And that's because we know that the clause of sexual perversion, the clause of addiction to sexual immorality, drags people to hell. And we know it's a serious issue. And that's why the church cannot allow a lower standard on this. They must preach it confidently. And the church has to proclaim in a very real sense what is actually happening in the world around us. It's never loving to water down the truth about marriage and sexuality. That's right. It's never loving to the flock in which uh, you exist for uh, pastors to in any way water down or marginalize 
faithful biblical teaching on marriage and human sexuality. Right. It's also not loving to unbelievers. It's not mm-hmm. loving to people who are fornicators and homosexuals and have those patterns in their life because they need the Lord mm-hmm. and they need the Lord as we need the Lord. And uh, they, uh, many of them will have never heard clear teaching or instruction on biblical marriage and mm-hmm. sexuality as God himself has designed and ordained for those whom he has created. It's important, isn't it, Gabe, to return to the early chapters of Genesis. Mm-hmm. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, as it uh, considers the uh, sixth day of creation, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, Mm -hmm. he created them. So here's the sovereign God, the creator of the universe, creating mankind in his image, male and female. Mm -hmm. He didn't say that they're born without a gender. He didn't say they choose what they are. He assigns to them, uh, upon conception, their sex, male uh, or female. In verse 28, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. How do you fill the earth? Only men and women together can fill the earth. Uh, That's the way God created us. That's the way uh, that it works. Common sense shows that. Uh, Sixth grade biology class, uh, people understand that this is how it works. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, Everything that has breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Of course, Gabe, we know that with the fall of mankind came sin. Mm -hmm. And with sin comes confusion, darkness of mind, hardness of will, uh, the corruption of affections. And there's a brokenness there. The, The image of God... Uh, that was stamped upon us in creation has been shattered, and 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 we are in and of our ourselves. Um, uh, we are separated from God. We are unholy, mm-hmm. and so we need a Savior to come and to bring us back into communion and fellowship with God and give us that forgiveness that we need for Amen. our sin. So. Um, all of that's happening in our culture today as it concerns this sexual revolution, um, it, it, there's no stopping point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we truly have and are returning to a kind of uh, first century Greco-Roman paganism. We see mm-hmm. it with all the, uh, the body mutilation that's happening mm-hmm. in our culture these days. Uh, we see it uh, with the... Uh, the the sort of pansexualities mm-hmm. uh, that are being expressed and celebrated. We see it on the stickers walking into coffee shops that, you know, basically people with alternative sexualities are welcome here. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so while uh, we do believe that there are certain rights that everyone has in this country, um, we do not believe in any way, shape, or form 
that uh, that love equals uh, sort of sexual anarchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, love, God is love, mm-hmm. and to 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 love properly is to love in the way that God loves, and God loves uh, in the truth and according to truth, and not according to lies. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Gabe, uh, as we wrap up, uh, it's very important as Christians, isn't it, that we reaffirm our commitment to the early chapters of Genesis, that we reaffirm our commitment to biblical marriage and sexuality, and that we don't, we, we don't cower or, mm-hmm. or shrink back from uh, not only being an example uh, to those around us of, of purity and, and, and sexual purity and godliness uh, in our marriages and faithfulness and fidelity in our marriages, um, but, but also we, we want to, um, uh, to faithfully communicate these things in love to our neighbors because I think right now, uh, if we're not on the offense in terms of loving people in these sin and we simply cower back and are always on the defensive, that will erode things for us as it concerns our, our, our faithfulness. And one of the issues that it's worth remembering, again, is that this is not the first time the Christian church has dealt with this problem. Uh, we have a whole history of what happens when the uh, perverse sexuality of the Greco-Roman world comes in contact with the sexual ethics and purity that Christ had himself established for his church. And it was always meant to be a sharp contrast that even if the world itself becomes far worse in terms of its understanding of what we would just call natural law and just in terms of natural ethics, the church is still the city on the hill. The church is still the light to the world. We are still the salt of the earth. And it is that distinction that makes the Christian witness that much more persuasive. And that's what ought to be remembered. Even if we have to suffer for what Christ has obviously and clearly told us in the word of God, it's a matter of do we love Christ and his people enough to suffer with them or will we allow ourselves to cower back in fear as the heat gets turned up so to speak well dear members of christ church uh, we do want to encourage you to stand firm Uh, We want to remind you of the wonderful resource uh, that Chris Gordon wrote, uh, the the New Reformation Catechism on Human Sexuality, 41 questions and answers in the style of the Heidelberg Catechism in order to clearly instruct uh, our families uh, on biblical sexuality. Uh, And so uh, going back to the Bible, making use of resources like that, it's important because this really is the point, isn't it, Gabe, Mm -hmm. that Satan is bringing it um, more than ever in terms of the arrows and the... the, um, the blitzkrieg mm. of of satanic attack is is at this point of the sexual revolution and so we as christians must be attentive to it and uh, not be um, falling asleep in the light uh, well we hope that you're encouraged uh, to stand firm dear christian and we look forward to talking to you next time on between the times <laughs>